Stuart Hardy, what the fuck just happened? What does this mean? It means we're going to talk about a very sensual and lucrative media topic. Why are you telling me this? Because, tits, Stuart, legs, sex, bum, cells, big time. But what's the point? The point is to titillate, to evoke, to allure. These are some of the questions that we ask every day when we read a paper. Bum rap for Justin. Watch TV. It's been Channel 4's sex season. They've asked hot and steamy questions in Sex Box. Michael Sheen's been doing some sexy science in Masters of Sex. And we've looked at some teenage virgins' diaries. Or watch a movie. Hear our adaptation of sexy 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 book 50 sexy shades of sexy grey this is what the fuck just happened telling you what the fuck just happened you sexy people so Stuart you heard about any new shows from Zeitgeist Entertainment yeah, they're trying to be a bit more intellectual at the moment. Some digital station that thinks they can be the UK's HBO wants some politics or crime drama with sex thing. Mm-hmm. I'm really not looking forward to people telling me it's intelligent. What's it about? Really good-looking people saying complicated things in rooms and then having sex with each other. Wow. Sounds clever. Okay, so what's popular at the moment? How about an intelligent drama with sex in it? People love that. Yes, yes, it's very gasconading. Gasconading isn't a word. Does it matter, Stan? Does it really matter? Anyway, I think you're right about the intelligent drama. Game of Thrones, Broadwalk Empire, people love that shit. But what makes them work is they're very multi-bilingual. Multi-bilingual? Yes, Stan, multi-bilingual means that they have more than one bilingual language they speak more than one language for example like while while i'm talking english i'm also saying words do you understand so you want an intelligent drama that talks and also does things bonanza multi-bilingual words and talking things stuff previously on words and doing stuff a sexy drama It's just no good woman I'm sleeping with. You betrayed my trust over this thing we're doing that somehow relates to work. I'm leaving you, man I'm sleeping with. What's our strategy for this important work or politics thing? That I'm in charge and you do what you're told, man who we saw having sex with woman character in a previous scene. 
damn it. It's the day of something important to do with work or politics or something like that, colleague or friend. Yes, man, who is the main character. I must say, it's times like this where I say a dramatic sort of poetic quote that could be used in the trailer. Then I make a monologue or something that's either witty or deep and complex. And then the scene ends. Fascinating. Hey, woman who the main character is sleeping with, you shouldn't be so desperate to get back with him. You're having some sort of emotional crisis that's representative of people like you feeling an emotion. I'm going to talk with you for about two minutes about it and then say something meaningful or perhaps a joke to lighten the mood. Someone's done something to make me angry! The emotional display that shows my character's rage! Words! Stuff! Things! Insert plot here! I'm a terrorist or a drug dealer or something, and I'm gonna make some random threats or do something violent to make people go, wow, that's either cool or damn cold or, my god, this show has something to say about the real world. Wow, his performance is so powerful. So, Channel 4 have bought the rights to a US drama all about sex and kind of decided to create this season of sex idea because it's October, the dead season for interesting media. Also, they still receive a portion of the licence fee, so they're supposed to do public service broadcasting, but that doesn't really sell advertising, so they kind of cobbled together a documentary and a live show to tick all the necessary boxes for their fundraisers. First up then... We're going to look at the drama that was the main reason this all happened, which is Masters of Sex. What did you think, Stuart? Well, I think we should let the audience make up their minds for themselves and just play the trailer and ask, Dude, are you seeing this? What, are you a girl? How does an orgasm feel for a woman? Go ahead. Fantastic. You will be labelled a pervert. Let me show you what any real scientist would kill to see. Are you hearing this? <laughs> the only thing you have to do is lean in close. But not too close or you'll get poked in the eye. You're saying watch out for the dildo. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it goes on a bit like that, doesn't it? It's not sort of, yeah. <laughs> this study is the scandal. The project's going to be conducted in perfect secrecy. In a teaching hospital where no one ever gossips. I need your help. Bill, I'm in love with her. I don't know what this to do. This trailer is basically episode one, isn't it? Pretty much. Um, I don't need to watch it now, thanks. <laughs> not really a lot else to add when to it. Either um, way, we did. I'm going to turn it off. Yeah. Um, what did you think of it then? Well, well, here's the thing about the premise. Masters of Sex, it's about a scientist who can't make his wife pregnant, who starts a study at his university about human sexuality. The main reason I think it was made is because a TV executive was bored one day listening to people talk about their new TV show ideas and heard someone say, sex, and then he looked up and thought, sex? Someone said sex. Will there be titties? <laughs> well, I guess we could shoot it tastefully. Titties? Well, yeah, okay, then. Here's some money. Give me 12 hours of it. And print the word masters of, really small, so and the word sex in massive red bold letters so people will subconsciously look at it and go, sex? 
sex is sexy, maybe there'll be sex in it. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> much... Definitely the thing that leapt out of me of this. It's, it's a title-led program, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of those things where they come up with the title before the concept. Mm-hmm. New rule that I'm imposing on TV or movie adaptations of completely uninteresting real-life stories. If you can fit the current Wikipedia article on the subject on half a size of A4, yeah. as you can with William Masters, <laughs> it's not worth making. If random idiots on the internet can't think of more than half a side of A4 <laughs> to say, you won't be able to either. <laughs> um, but it's kind of trying to be a bit scientific, isn't it? A little bit, I'd say. But that's the thing. They don't even explain the science in it. Mm. Like, we're not stupid writers. We're educated people watching this. Don't be afraid to actually explain why they think using a woman using a vibrator is groundbreaking science. Like, why are they the pioneers of science of human sexuality? Why? Do, explain to us the science. Yeah. Um, so you didn't enjoy it then? Not really. Because, like, the, the media really needs to stop mythologizing sex like it does. I know they've always done it. But especially so recently with this and Fifty Shades of Grey and blurred lines and stuff. Mm. They're trying to make out that the exchange of bodily fluids is a cultural activity and it's vital you watch it because it's intelligent or something. I thought it was just pretty low rent is how I describe the the series. I think they've sold you with the title and they're probably going to spend the rest of the series basically dragging you in with that title and... Yeah. Sex. You're here sex for sex. Sexy. You're yeah. here for sex. So uh, yeah, keep watching. Folks. Yeah, just what, what really annoyed me though about the whole you're here for the sex. You're here for the sex thing. They keep on trying to make out that this William Masters person is. They paint him as whiter than white, holy grail of biological science. And I refuse to take this seriously because anyone has positive and negative qualities. But when they make out with this, they make out that he's curing world hunger or stopping the aging process. He's a feminist. He's a scientist. He's Jesus. Whatever. He researched sex science. He helps people have better sex. What a world changing discovery. One scientist invents chemotherapy. One measures how many somethings it takes for a woman to have an orgasm. Wow, that's important. They keep on saying it's the most important scientific discovery ever. Yeah, penicillin, fuck that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there is a a time and a place for, you know, and a need and a genuine societal need for researching sex. But as you say, half a page of Air 4 on Wikipedia doesn't doesn't say that this was incredibly groundbreaking. Not really, no. I don't know, Masters of Sex, to me, it just seems like like yet another insecure male power fantasy to be watched by sad 15-year-olds. And the media's just trying to sell you it because sex sex sells. But I'm telling you, don't buy it this time. People bought the media's lie that Fifty Shades of Grey was good for women because it was written by a woman. Then people started reading it. Do the same I'm asking people. Watch Masters of Sex, then read what the media prints about how important it is for science and how these people were pioneers, and call them on it. The fact you, and actually Michael Sheen has said in interviews, had never heard of William Masters before this, and the Wikipedia article is that small, says everything you need to know about this show. It was made because it has the word sex in the title. And it was bought, I guess, because it has the word sex in the title, and Michael Sheen in it. Allegedly, yeah. Um, so as we said, this kind of Channel Four have made us. This is part of their season of sex. Let's generously say, basically, that means they bolted a couple of programs onto the side of it. The thing with both of them, and actually with most Channel Four documentaries, is that they seem conceived to make tabloid headlines at Sex Box, 
had people having sex in a box on TV and we covered it in bullshit headlines five, six weeks ago, so they did make it into the tabloid press. Press uh, And Diary of a Teenage Virgin. Well, that speaks for itself, really, doesn't it? Now, Sexbox was... It went out on Monday night. Why did this go out on Monday night? Well, we're glad that you've had a good weekend and I bet you've had a hard day back at work. So now, why not enjoy the rest of your Monday night with an excruciatingly uncomfortable group of sex analysts probing couples as they have have live sex on TV and pretend it's about science. Yeah, the basic premise was, it does what it says on the tin, there was a box in the TV studio that people went into, they said, hello, how are you doing? You know, a bit like Family Fortunes. Um, And then they went into the box and had sex for a while and came out and talked to to a panel of three people. It was billed as experimental and innovative. Uh, it was definitely anything but. Um, kind of kicked off talking about sex as you would. Very, very dry. Um, the woman on the panel shouted, Education! Like she was auditioning to be the next loose woman. Um, for the box themselves, did you notice they had a traffic light system? Which I thought was good. Yeah, the traffic uh, light system was well. good. They kept mentioning they needed, like the couples when they come out, they'd say, oh, we needed more time. We needed more time. But they never said how long they got. Yeah, I, I wanted to know. Was it like, was it twenty minutes, half an hour? Because it was really harshly edited, very badly edited. Actually, sofas would disappear awfully, from the stage and, and appear. I think for the next series, they should give him three minutes. All the walls of the box drop down, revealing whatever's going on inside. Couple of questions to him about who enjoyed it the most, and then just get the next couple in. I mean, you can laugh, but it'd be better than Big Brother. I definitely agree with that. I think they should make it more like a game show. Yeah. In fact, I thought this was going to be more like a game show. <laughs> you mentioned Family Fortunes. I I wanted this to be like an interactive audience participation game show where people shout out sex challenges. So like they present inanimate objects and tell them to have sex with it in as creative a <laughs> way as possible. I mean, sure, it'd be gross, but we've never seen someone use a lawnmower for the purposes of sex before, and I think it would be interesting. That's watercolor television as well, isn't it? Like, yeah, it is. Hey, Stuart, that's something you're going to talk about. Did you see that last with that lawnmower last night? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. That the show could be more interesting like that. But the, it wasn't a game show. They were trying to make a serious conversation and uh, television show about sex, and they, so they said at the start, "There's never been a bigger need to talk about it." Which I think, if you look into sexual history, is definitely not true. Uh, how did they try and legitimise themselves? I still don't know. I watched the show and I still don't know. The closest I could find to a point of sex box was them saying, one in five of us say we cheat on our partners. Why is that and how can we stop it? And there's me thinking, counselling? Why do you need to make people have sex in a box? Whatever the answer is, having sex in a box live on television isn't it. Yeah, like all they kept doing was saying, it's very important to talk about sex and people find it hard to talk about it. But... They never approach why does it matter and who do they need to talk about it with and why. No one ever defines an objective, which for a show about science, and I use the biggest set of quotation marks ever around (laughs) science, is a massive problem. Now, the other documentary Channel 4 put together uh, was Diary of a Teenage Virgin. Did you see it? Um, no, I didn't, but I don't know why it's part of Channel 4's season of sex, since the word virgin implies there would be no sex in it. No, well, that's not fair. I mean, obviously you're looking forward to diary of sex diaries of a teenager, then, are you? <laughs> <laughs> not, not particularly, but at the same time, that would be part of a season of sex. I have to say, to be honest, this one did a lot better than either of the other shows in actually talking about issues involving and around sex. It followed about half a dozen teenagers and their parents. 
like on the teenagers on their quest to lose their virginity across one summer. Uh, it was done in like kind of a much less, you know, led documentary style. Um, I don't know if you've seen or like Education in Yorkshire, but I think when they do that much more observational stuff, Channel 4 can actually make a very good documentary and they've made a pretty decent one here. There was, however, some excruciating scenes, which were TV gold. Uh, have you ever watched, Stuart, I want to ask you this, have you ever seen a mum talk to her 15-year-old son about clitoral stimulation? No, I haven't. Well, I have, <laughs> thanks to this programme. That's not something to be proud of, Rick. I watched it on the tube this morning, <laughs> <laughs> um, which was excellent. Really, really good. But it was kind of, it was nice to see genuine relationships like that portrayed and just to observe rather than necessarily prescribe, which I think Sexbox was very guilty of. Um, is there anything to learn from these sex documentary experiment things? Well, not really. Definitely not if Sexbox is anything to go by because I haven't watched the other one, but because there's no real point in the show and you'd be very stupid to not know any of this mm, stuff. Yeah. Like a direct quote from one of the first couples that came, everything was flowing, everyone was full of ideas, and I was thinking, what ideas? I watched that conversation. They said nothing of consequence. Yeah, there was definitely a sense of rounding up there. I know, here's an idea. People have sex with each other and that's basically fine. <laughs> I think Diary of a Teenage Virgin did do a lot better at it um, as a single male same as yourself like maritally single uh, without children really kind of us as a demographic our only reason to watch would have been salaciousness so um, perhaps not a great deal for us to learn about it but when I was thinking about who might learn from this I think actually any teenager and any parent of teenagers would have got a lot out of it um, all the parents in the show had very different approaches and kind of relationships with their children but actually in the end they all did a pretty good job of communicating with them and it showed to me that by speaking in an adult and matter of fact manner and openness about the subject with teenagers really is is the best way well yeah i can't i kind of agree with that and if you're aiming it more at teenagers that'd be good but sex box is aimed at adults it sort of invalidates itself, really, because it's clear that couples don't need to talk about their sex with anyone else because they don't feel inclined to on this show, if that's any indication. The analysts just ask, do you watch porn and what do you fantasise about? Wow, let's take let's take our findings down and plot a graph with this scientific information. One thing Sexbox did teach me about was that people who want to have sex on telly aren't necessarily the people who want to talk about it on well, not really no the like the research department should all be fired basically they, <laughs> yeah they they've gone out with a, with a, a box or sent an ad out on the internet somewhere saying would you be willing to have sex on a box and television got these people in and at no point said would you then be willing to talk about it because the first and second couple were just excruciating one of them went I'd rather not talk about it. But that's that's the whole point of the show. <laughs> Why you are you on this show like then? An executive producer going, what, what? to be honest, I'd rather have had people <laughs> not have sex in the box, but be really good at talking about it in the studio when we can see and hear them. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's not really an experiment. That was a, the big fall down of sex box for me. Um, very quickly then, is it sexy? No. <laughs> generally yeah. no I do like that they did try to get the full spectrum of sort of people because you know how shows oh my god it was most 
box ticking <laughs> exercise ever, ever though wasn't it well yeah disabled people overweight people gay people straight people the, the course, disabled people literally got about five seconds yes didn't they? yeah literally five seconds um yeah but at the same at the same time they did try the whole spectrum i do hate that when tv shows that get general public on they usually pick the pretty ones when mm-hmm. there's far more fat people and chubby people in this country than men with six packs yeah just look out there and says i'm on studio <laughs> it's just the other end of sensationalism of channel four's other entrant into season of sex but at the same time the only reason this was made pa- made it past pitching was the executive thought he was promised boobs mm, yeah <laughs> speaking of boobs being someone with brain cells who's actually read Fifty Shades of Grey we are now proud to present a dramatised simple breakdown of everything that happens in Fifty Shades of Grey with our human puppets John Davis and Dave Shauna hi I'm Anna Steele I'm a student at university that wants a job in publishing but for some reason I have no idea how to use a computer in 2011, when this was written, what am I? A fucking alien visitor from Mars? <laughs> Hello, I am Christian Gray. I am a cocksure potential rapist, an incredibly wealthy businessman who is so secretive about my kinky sex that everyone thinks I am gay, but haha, <laughs> of course I'm not. And that's supposed to be hilarious. Oh, Christian, you, you make me weak in the knickers with your charming good looks and sexy good looks and also the way that your penis looks yes you are right Anna I'm incredibly sexy and also I have the personality of a Lego brick let's make the sex mmm yes mmm yes our baby will I ever get enough of you ah yes Christian you're so sexy the fact I am able to articulate full sentences during sex indicates just how not hot in the slightest these scenes are. Blood pounds through my body with salacious hunger. Describing the functions of the human body makes the sex scenes so much more emotionally involving. The sex is so vibrant that it makes air come into my lungs, through my mouth, and my nose. and conflicted because I don't know if I want to let Christian hit me during sex and I'm gonna make up my mind and say yes or no at the end of every single chapter is a cliffhanger so can I hit you during sex yes I've decided yes but no yes now I have well no I I didn't No, I'm leaving you. Talk to me, Anastasia. I don't want to lose you. I'm gonna go do some stupid, overdramatic inner monologue that makes no sense. We're coming near to the end of the bridge, and the road is once more bathed in the neon light of the street lamps. This man who I once thought of as a brave, white, shining knight, well, dark knight, as he said, He's a man with serious emotional flaws, and he's dragging me into the dark. Can I not guide him into the light? It's a fitting metaphor. I don't think it is a fitting metaphor, because that don't make a lick of sense. So they're coming near to the end of the bridge, 
Is that coming over the bridge or on the edge about to jump off and commit suicide? And they're half in the light of a street lamp and half out of the light and he's a knight and might be a dark one or a white one and she needs to pull him under the street lamp to make him the white knight and- WHAT THE FUCK?! That is not a metaphor! That is a game of Scrabble gone horribly wrong! Why are you so into S&M, Christian? Because one of my mother's friends seduced me when I was 15 and I was her sub for four years. Holy crap, because you're under the age of consent, that gives me an excuse to give stuck-up monologues about how your ex-girlfriend was a child molester and be stupefyingly jealous. You're gonna get back with her for no adequate reason. Anna, it wasn't like that for me. I wanted to be with her. S&M stops me from being an asshole. I'm naturally an asshole because my birth mother, uh, who died when I was four years old, was a crack whore. I inherited her crack whore genes. Holy crap, he has so many issues that make me think variations on holy crap and holy cow and other random key words that anyone says followed by an exclamation mark. Wow, sex. Wow, submissive. Anyway. Get your vibrators at the ready, ladies! It's time for me to do some stupid self-pitying emo bullshit speech about my traumatic childhood. Mmm, saucy. Scary Photrance techno music, you know what that means. Bullshit headlines. Bullshit headlines for the latest week. Uh, Metro, Monday, Eliza Doolittle. When I'm sad, I can't imagine being happy. News that Eliza Doolittle gets a bit sad sometimes. Aww. Aww. Clegg parts ways with Tories over free schools policy. Big political story with potential to split the coalition on a major issue appears on page three at the bottom of the page in about 50 words. Great. Uh, the Star, Monday, uh, bum rap for Justin, uh, which is um, Justin Bieber touched a stripper's bum. Apparently. Big news. Imagine yeah. that. Riri's undercover. Shock as Rihanna wears clothes. <laughs> Actually is big news. Big <laughs> big news. From page. Um, Fury over zombie shock suit. Um, surprised Amazon are selling a zombie Jimmy Savile costume. Didn't make a bigger headline, really. Mm, that's usually gold dust for the start. Definitely, I'd say. Express Monday. Susanna's Samba shakes up strictly. Oh, for God's sake. The Express think that alliteration is clever. Um, and a Susanna that was on Strictly Come Dancing did a dance. Seriously, enough with the Strictly Come Dancing. Enough with the bloody Strictly. Like, people hate me for watching <laughs> television with them because I just can't stand it. But it, just because you, in particular, don't like one kind of television... There's a certain kind of television that just gets rammed down your throat whether you like so it or not. Much of it. People still, after 10 years, will go, Oh, have you seen the X Factor to me? I'm just looking at them. No. Who do you think I am? <laughs> I know. Cut tax bills for Middle Britain, urge Tory MPs. Uh, as, as usual, life elect- continues. Election, loo- election looming. You idle lot. Boss's anger as 50 new jobs at his factory has zero applicants. Mm. Now, absolute zero. I think that says just as much about the employer as the jobless. Mm -hmm. I'd wager that there was a clause in the contract that said employees will be subject to regular organ harvesting. That's um, legal disclaimer. That's possibly not true. Possibly not true, yeah. (laughs) Um, The Metro Tuesday. Millions hit as Facebook goes down for three hours. Um... 
I mean, I didn't have anywhere to put a picture of my dinner up. <laughs> yeah, shock as millions of people forced to do anything else for a little bit. <laughs> patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. Sciencey thing about pa- how patience can be beneficial. What's just as sciencey is the bitter taste of alcohol is made naturally when fruit rots. So by saying this, we can say that patience is a rotting fruit. Science fans, take note. <laughs> uh, One Direction tops rich list of stars under 30, which for some reason meant the Metro thought reminding str- like cash-strap commuters that a bunch of ferret fetuses are even richer than they will ever be. Apparently we wanted to know that. Great, thanks. Thanks a lot. And, and we couldn't have guessed that. No, yeah. Um, the Standard, Tuesday. London gets a gang czar, which isn't like an official appointment of a czar for the gangs, is it? Um, I think they need a new name for these community leadery people. It's just not working. Yeah, because I think Boris Johnson appoints a new gang czar makes it sound like he's in charge of organised crime (laughs) to me. Mm -hmm. Why don't we like political dramas? David Tennant asked why the public don't like political dramas. Probably because they're poorly done and very patronising, David. Probably so. Um, Ministry of Defence's cyber army could include convicted hackers. Um, I, well, that's that's. I'm sorry to break this to anybody who didn't realise that's how all the best hackers are recruited. Yeah, that's, I, sh- I should bloody well hope they've been convicted. That means they know what they're doing. And they're, but they are the best. That's <laughs> accepted in that community. Yes, exactly. That's to be honest. That's why a lot of them do it. Why is that a problem? I'm sure even. I, I might have this wrong legal disclaimer. This could all be false. I'm sure that's how John McAfee set up McAfee Security, you know? Probably. There you go. Uh, I might have to edit this bit. Uh, who's going? Me? You, you. How to get a yummy tummy. Uh, are they standard doing cannibal recipes now? I'd assume so with that headline. Cameron Fury over Facebook films. RPM is furious that a woman, a video of a woman being beheaded by a Mexican drug gang is being shown where children can see it on Facebook. I have a better suggestion. Instead of lobbying for censorship, how about you get off your ass, lobby for some members of the Security Council to actually consider the Mexican drug war a real issue, mm. do something about it, and then people wouldn't die at the hands of real and ruthless drug gangs so no one would have to have their head chopped off in the first place. Just because it's censored doesn't mean it's not there. This drugs war in Mexico has been going on for about four years now and the, the number of deaths is in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. But we get a headline about, ooh, what are Facebook doing? Like allowing a video on it. How? Yeah, I know. The Sun had had a good headline on it, though. Disgrace book. <laughs> Which I quite like. Again, comes back to right-wing uh, stories being able to... Right-wing papers being able to implement... implant their uh, beliefs into the headlines. Something the Mirror don't even get into their copy. Yeah. So they did that in one word, which was impressive. Yeah. Uh, the Telegraph, nuclear power to blow away ghastly sight of wind farms. Um... I think they're planning on nuking the country's wind farms by that headline, <laughs> which is a bit extreme for thinking they look horrid, which I don't think they do. I think they look quite nice. They're all right. They look like windmills. Yeah. They make the countryside look cute and quaint. Yeah. Um, the Express, always always good for a bullshit headline. To be honest, the main place that this feature came from um front page headline 90 mile per hour gales to batter britain uh, it's going to be a bit windy 
Yeah, front page headline there. Mm-hmm. EU laws that cost us a fortune and achieve nothing. Copy and paste job. They've used that headline before. Yeah. Stupid EU laws that have been in place for quite a while just discovered when an express journalist said, shit, we've got nothing for page 12. And <laughs> copy and pasted in a Wikipedia article on something they disagree with, adding the word scum at various <laughs> intervals. Assuming tomorrow's page 12 will be immigrants are people that come here from another country. <laughs> uh, independent legal marijuana to sell for $1 a gram in Uruguay. Um, what the fuck just happened? We'll be off for holiday for back till Christmas. Yeah. Scientists more honest than clergy says survey. Well, Durst is everyone else. The Mirror, Plebgate Row Police. Sorry. So, yeah, in case you were wondering <laughs> how long this story was going to run, it seems quite a lot longer. Uh, after all that, that's how the Mirror breaks the news. Police are sorry over Plebgate. Months and months and upon years, and it's just that, the end. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Shut your cake hole. Judge in the Great British Bake Off tweets something mean. Not a bad headline, though, no, considering no. there was nothing in the story. Yeah. Um, the Metro. We want a bigger home before baby number 10 arrives. All right, papers, we get it. Some families have too many babies they can't afford. There are probably more. Message received. You do not have to do this every day. This is like the 12th or 13th time I've read this story. <laughs> yeah. Brand. I had gay sex in a loo. Russell Brand had gay sex in a loo. That was a story. That has to be in, in his, <laughs> his bookie walk about... Probably. Seven or eight years old now? Yeah. Um, the Express Wednesday, Victoria stopped Bex being one of the greats. Um, Alex Ferguson got jealous in the 90s because David Beckham was seeing his girlfriend more than him. Again, this was in all the newspapers 10 years ago when it happened. Yeah. Letter of... Uh, yeah, this is the Express's letter of the day. Human rights makes a mockery of our courts. Those bloody pesky human rights. Why can't humans just shut up about their free right to stuff yeah bloody human rights when it comes down to human rights versus courts I think courts win don't they I'd rather courts were happier of course yeah the orphan saved from a bush inferno Um, someone in Australia this would have been a better story if the orphan wasn't a wallaby well yeah but the wallaby it was someone saved a wallaby from a fire and it was a cute picture it was an adorable little wallaby I'm struggling to faint (laughs) Um, the sun 53k a year lesbians uh, another benefit cheat story with absolutely no relevance to them being lesbians whatsoever that's about the third time this has happened sorted out son if it was a man and a woman would that have had headline of read 53k a year straight couple I'd assume they'd have to I, I doubt it on balance I doubt it peak hell dog lives um, if you can figure out what that story's about you seriously need studying for science peak hell dog lives peak hell what would that even be? I don't know. <laughs> Soapies. Um, some celebrities took pictures of themselves having a bath and the sun put those pictures on a page. This is now a regular feature, isn't it? I think there's someone just collating Twitter pictures and going, I've got, I've got one, I've, I've got, got a, a page, I've, I've got, got a theme. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, she or was he or in Rio. That's, that's she or was he or in Rio. I think they heard what we said the other day and they went, 
you know what? They're right. We do need to hang back on these Brazilian uh, puns before next summer. Yeah, because this one was about a Brazilian transsexual that won a fashion contest or something like that. Great. Uh, one from your local paper. Yes, I decided to stop me from being bitter about the news. I decided to pick up my local paper because it's kind of cute and they have some of the most adorable headlines ever. <laughs> I love local newspapers. Pet shop to open on former Comet site. Oh, former so... Comet. It's protected him well in, isn't it? I've the former re- Comet site. Yeah, I, re- I, really think, I really think we should just play the Archers theme over this. <laughs> <laughs> Upset as main road stays closed. That was a massive front page headline. Like you need to read the paper about it if it was affecting yeah, exactly. you. <laughs> it's already there. Town uh, centre church granted extension. Good for them. Yeah, big news. Entrance getting ready for Santa Run fundraiser. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> you have to, if it's a local paper, you have to include something about a fundraiser in it. And my personal favourite, best headline I've ever read, new lights in car park. That wins the bullshit headlines. <laughs> that wins bullshit headlines overall. <laughs> um, yeah, I've paid £1.80 for copies of the Daily Mail overall. Give me a break. I had to buy something cute just once. Right, and that's it then for the bullshit headlines for week six, season one of What the Fuck Just Happened. Um, we may well return with something like this come Christmas. We may well get back from Uruguay. Sugar and spice and all things nice. That's what little girls used to be made of. They want whips and chains and a whopping with canes. Introducing the all-new Little Miss Jailbait range from H&N. Affordable sex wear in children's sizes. If Miley can do it, why can't your daughter? You're never too young to twerk. H&N. Hose and nearly hose. Okay, so welcome to This Week I Read. Where Stuart and I, or in this case, just Stuart, read pieces of media that really aren't aimed at us. And this week, I have had the joy as producer of making Stuart read the latest book in the Bridget Jones series, which I didn't read because I don't know anything about it. Just it's not the sort of thing Stuart should be reading and it might be a laugh. So Stuart, what's Bridget Jones about then? Oh, well, the Bridget Jones concept, which I and many outsiders didn't know, is essentially Pride and Prejudice, but updated to modern times told in diary form. Really? Which many people as accept as good for its target audience, but that's about it. She's a ditzy media journalisty person who likes shoes and boys and writes a diary. Have you seen the film? Um, yes, I was forced to watch it and don't <laughs> remember anything about it after watching it. I was genuinely expecting you to say no, then I haven't seen the film either, so I'm going to be uh, awful. Come on, yeah. sell it to me. Sell it to me. Well, Who's it's... it by? It's by Helen Fielding, and she's only written one book since she unofficially called Bridget Jones over in 1999, well over a decade ago. So this is the, no one likes my new stuff, so let's just beat a dead horse. And let's <laughs> let's not just beat the dead horse, let's also light a firework in its buried corpse, and hopefully it'll look pretty. <laughs> okay, so how has she managed to do that? How's that firework up its arse gone down then? Um... Has well, it, I mean, because it, it's been a long while since she's written it. Has it has it moved on from the nineties? You know, does it kind of reflect life nowadays? Well, well, in the nineties, what Bridget Jones was originally for was it was a parody of the sort of vacuous, oh my god, posh girl that takes Heat magazine and Cosmo seriously, okay. like seriously, have very Downton. Lest we forget, it was a it was a Guardian satire column. And it did speak to 20-somethings of the time in a similar way that Friends did by parodying what life was supposed to be like for the modern 20-something woman. The problem is... Friends n- was a parody? Yeah, f- well, Contest sort of. Contest that, sort, carry on. Sort of, <laughs> but 
problem is now Bridget Jones's character is in her late 40s and it's clear that Helen Fielding thought, holy shit, now I have to relate to the problems of the older woman and my target audience is older and she knows shit all about the problems of 40 to 50 something people have in 2013. Yeah. My case in point here, the book opens with Bridget not knowing how to work the telly with all its functions and throwing the remote down in annoyance. Yeah, and video recorders, they're so hard to work, aren't they? (laughs) Like, the bludgeoning of the isn't modern technology just incomprehensible continues, and it's really patronising. I don't think all older women think that TV remotes are incomprehensible with its buttons. Like, and Twitter as well. Twitter is a big point in this book. You type in 120 characters and someone hits a smiley face, or calls you nasty names, or offers you a picture of their genitalia. It's pretty simple, really. Mm -hmm. And Bridget works in the media. She wouldn't be one of those people that says, oh my god, I just got on Twitter. It's total gibberish with its at this and at that everywhere. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's pretty bizarre, then. Um, What's uh, Helen Fielding like as a writer? Well, since this is the third book, and I haven't read or know anything about the others... I would like to know, does Bridget, it, does her character have some sort of photographic memory X-Men recitation power? Because if not, and this is written as real events happen, this is meant to be a diary. Get this bit. 3.10pm. <laughs> Car, I've got to pick up Mabel from the school in 20 minutes. Well, why are you writing your diary then? And I've not got the rice cakes ready. Because so you're too, it's a diary, you're too busy but, writing your bloody diary. Diary written in present tense. Yes. <laughs> Actual line here. Gah, telephone. Pick up the bloody telephone. (laughs) Why would you write gah, telephone in your diary? (laughs) And she writes down the phone conversation as it's happening. Why are you telling us this? Get on with it. (laughs) If if this is a diary meant to be written in a hurry, the spelling and grammar would be atrocious. So you're really stretching that fourth wall here. Doorbell. Who could it be at this time of the night? Don't keep them waiting, you dozy cow. Go answer the door. Just just to make clear what we're saying there, that should have read, the doorbell rang, and I didn't know who it was at that time of night. Yeah. But according it to comes this. out as Gar Doorbell. <laughs> Another thing, there's a character in it called Jude. I've uh, looked this up. Oh, yeah. He's called Jude as in a reference to, he looks like Jude Law. And apparently, the original the original love interest, Mark Darcy, she described as looks like Colin Firth. This is shorthand, so she doesn't have to bother painting a picture of the character because her audience will know what those celebrities look like. You're, you're the screenwriting expert, and I know that's pretty lazy. <laughs> Keyword, lazy. She mm. describes her new love interest as rather like Daniel Craig in appearance because that's who she wants to subtly play him in the inevitable film adaptation they make of this. This isn't even a hidden agenda. I saw it the second I read it. Um, so who, what does this new love interest offer then? I'm guessing that's what all the fans are excited about. His name is Rockster. Wow. Enough said. He's a jumble of words for Bridget to bounce characterization off of while she worries about her hair and shoes. Yeah. Um, so, so she's a journalist then. So yes. She's... Does she have a big crisis going on, or is this kind of first world problems? Her children have nits, and she has trouble texting, mm. which was a relatively new thing when the series started, and that sort of humour was cutting edge, but by now it's well past its sell-by date. Well, well, well past its sell-by date, I'd imagine. Do people yeah. even text anymore? Mm-hmm. And her thinking she's overweight and stuff. Like Her gay friend says... Ah, Bridget, you've lost so much weight. And she thinks, he said that every time that he's seen me for the last 15 years, even when I was nine months pregnant. 
Given the higher awareness we have nowadays for eating disorders, it's more uncomfortable when this sort of thing first had the piss taken out of it. That's really strange. I mean, I imagine Bridget Jones to be quite... It's very popular, especially with the modern woman. And it's supposed to be a modern... Modern... Uh, this is the image I have as somebody who's never experienced the film or the book. I have the experience that it's it's kind of popular for the modern woman. They feel reflected in it. Whereas now it seems very out of place. Like, I have this theory of mine about, mm. about Bridget Jones and popular media that bases itself on classic novels. It still me this sounds insulting, which it does, but I have noticed a parallel between this and Fifty Shades of Grey. In this Bridget Jones book, she's trying to write a movie adaptation of Hedda Garbler. Serious? What's that? What's that? <laughs> She's trying to write a movie. What's out of Garbler? Sorry, um, it's some classic play by some German playwright or something. I don't know. Apologies, listeners. I am a heathen. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's about the perils of women trying to live vicariously through men, which ironically is what Bridget Jones's character is doing throughout the book. And Helen Fielding thinks she's being clever and being ironic by doing that which is also done with Pride and Prejudice in the previous books. And E.L. James did this as well in Fifty Shades of Grey. Really? She tried desperately hard to reappropriate the story of Tess of the D'Urbervilles with the story of a student who studied Tess of the D'Urbervilles. So they think they're clever by referring to classic literature. Yeah, absolutely. Dear all writers, just because you noticed a theme in a piece of classic literature doesn't mean you have to theme your entire story about it in an ironic way. It doesn't, just because a book was written 200 years ago and you read it, that doesn't make you smart. <laughs> Is Knott's Magazine going to be a piece of classic high writing in 2123 just because it was written more than 100 years ago? Yeah, it's very easy characterization to say he's just like Daniel Craig, i.e. please picture Daniel Craig whenever I mention this person's name. <laughs> yeah. It's also a very f- full intelligence way of saying, well, this must be intelligent because it's based on the basic story of this accepted, insert accepted intelligent drama here or book yeah, or play. it's accepted, so that means you should like it. Yeah. That major gripe aside, while it's not my thing, unlike with Fifty Shades of Grey, which still makes no sense to me, I kind of <laughs> see why people like the Bridget Jones style of writing. Mm. Like, I actually kind of like the compulsive listing update where our mindset is in this entry. Like, there's one bit here. Minutes spent obsessing about Rockstar's hair, 360. Minutes spent deciding to prepare for film meeting, 20. Minutes spent preparing for film meeting, zero. I actually kind of like that. That's quite it, good. It yeah. kind of it's sort, of, sort of balanced out the really, gah, telephone awful bits. Mm-hmm. But the, the, only, the only real bit of the story in this book, which I actually found compelling, was the stuff about her coping with her ex-husband's death. Granted, the tone wavered about quite a lot, as she followed compelling stuff about Bridget dealing with the death of her husband mm-hmm. her, and her two kids dealing with it. She followed that with a really jarring bit about vomit and diarrhea gags. Mm. Like courtesy of her children, which are called Billy and Mabel, by the way. Do you think it's trying to do too much, possibly? Yeah, it? I think I think so. The the death thing. I mean, the the Bridget Jones's fan base was up in arms about Mr. Darcy's death, but I say so what? At least they introduced some actual problems to this vapid, egotistical idiot crying about her calorie intake. <laughs> like ever since I was forcibly shown the first movie, I've just thought first world problems. I mean, I understand it's a parody, but its fan base take it so seriously that I feel I can make this com- accusation. All right, the Bridget Jones character is funny, but I can't really sympathise with her or relate to her because what she dealt with didn't really matter. Like, yeah. I understand it's a bit of light mm. fluff, but if that was all Bridget Jones readers wanted, how does that make them different for the sort of woman that it's supposed to be parodying? 
the woman that reads Cosmo, the death of a loved one is a serious problem some people deal with. And it made the book more interesting than it would have been. And to be honest, given this is meant to be a comedy, Mr. Darcy's death could have been done much worse than it was. And the headlines tonight. Mark Darcy, high-ranking barrister, died after being pissed on by a swarm of angry penguins at the zoo today. Naturally, the urine of the penguin is incredibly acidic, and it consequently melted his face off. Reporter June Whitfield is on the scene to report. The horrific scenes of the penguin enclosure of London Zoo last night as Mark Darcy fell in and his wife Bridget and their son could do nothing but watch in horror as the piss of 30 penguins melted his face. Ah, the penguins! The penguins! I'm here now with the zookeeper at the penguin enclosure, Colin McAnderson. Colin, do the penguins piss on many people? Well, we've never had anyone fall into the penguin enclosure before. Closest thing we've had is when a lawyer and his family had poo flung at them by monkeys, but penguin piss? It's just so stupid. Yes, in fact, we've done some awful CGI recreations of sillier ways that Mark Darcy could have died instead. Here you see Mr Darcy has fallen into the baboon enclosure and has been suffocated as they mistake him one of their own as they pile their anuses over his face. No! Not the baboons! Ah! Here we see him drowning in the octopus tank. Oh, a much more ridiculous death. And here we see Mr. Darcy being forced at gunpoint by our newsroom staff to read the new Bridget Jones novel until he is bored to death. Please, can I stop reading now? Please, so bored. It's time for our blunt movie guide, which is kind of anti-film criticism. Um, where we take all the films you don't really want to see but someone's going to mention to you in the next month or two after they've gone to see it and we tell you what happens in them so you no. don't have to see them anymore yeah don't bother yeah don't bother um, the biggest release this week is Ender's Game is this the adaptation of EastEnders <laughs> That would probably be more interesting. Uh, it was adapted from this book about an alien invasion or something, and it was written by homophobic spoilt brat Orson Scott Card, who's posted some really, really disgusting things online. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. He definitely has, said, has posted them when... Yes, he has. We're and not liable for suing you. No, we're not right? liable for suing, and everyone's been talking about it for ages now. Fine. Yeah, it was adapted into a movie recently, which was directed by Gavin Hood, who was the same man that made you endure that X-Men Origins Wolverine movie several years ago, which is enough said really not recommended <laughs> right don't really understand just don't go and see it then <laughs> just don't go, just don't go see it there's a bad precedent behind it cloudy with a chance of meatballs two um it still rains meatballs the first one was actually pretty good and it proved that kids films can be made just by smashing some words together and hoping that it makes sense i like this film i haven't seen it but i kind of like it on its title you think that's that's a nice well, fun it's surreal it's imaginative yeah if you compare cloudy with the chance of meatballs to cars you think I think there's some creativity in the first one. Yeah, I know. As I, as I said, words smash together and hope that it makes sense, and it did with the first one. I'm going to make my I'll write my own kids' film called Flower Beasts of Magnesium City. That's not as good as Cloudy. Is it not, as good, not as good as that, but it's just got some random stuff in it. Just say random words. And that needs work. <laughs> yeah, just put some random words together. Um, Jackass are back. 
Uh, yeah, with Bad Grandpa. You know Jackass, the TV show where a bunch of drunk idiots hurt themselves on camera in creative ways. This is basically the same thing again, but one of them's made up to look like an old man. Well, I heard apparently Knoxville was saying that basically that's all they can do now because they're just so well known that doing pranks doesn't work. And this kind of befits all the candid camera shows, doesn't it? That's why none of them run for 50 years because... Once your face is out on the street, you can't carry on playing pranks. I have a better theory about why none of them run 50 years, because after you've hurt yourself in a certain way, <laughs> how, ma- how many people are going to pay to see you hurt yourself in a different way? Well, as they say, if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. <laughs> I quite oh, yeah. like the jackass things. I don't think there's a full series in Bad Grandpa, a full film in Bad Grandpa, though, unfortunately. Well, time will tell. I think it's time that all the guys went, do you know what? We have made millions out of some pretty dumb ideas. Let's just leave it. Yeah. Which the same might go for Metallica. Yes, definitely in that case. Uh, One Chance, which is the worst, worst, worst idea for a film I've seen ever. Go on. Given we've had the biopic of the guy that invented Facebook, the guy that started WikiLeaks, the guy that invented Scissor Handles. Not seen that one, but I imagine so. (laughs) In case you... Yeah. Now we have the biopic of the winner of the first series of Britain's Got Talent. What? They made this. They made a 90-minute movie about the winner of the first series of Britain's Got Talent. Who was the winner of the first series of Britain's Got Talent? There's a film out starring a man with char- whose character is called him, and I can't remember the name. <laughs> yeah, just I'm assuming this entire movie is 90 minutes of the caption, no, there is no point in making movies anymore. We're just going to put this out, and you're going to watch it, you sheep. <laughs> uh, to make matters worse, it stars James Corden. He's doing quite well at the moment, actually. He's doing quite well at the moment. He's got good reviews on the West End. Um, but I can't... So do, do you know anything more? Is, did, did the man have an epic struggle from cancer? Was he raised in the Lebanon as far as in a I civil could, as war far as, in the Middle East or something? As or? far as I can tell, he put out an album and people bought it and then he disappeared. Wow. It's pretty wow. much it, the general story. Was he the one who was involved in the Arab Spring? Yeah, all right. The one in the Arab, the one in the Arab Spring. You know, the, there's lots of special effects and CGI in it. And did he lead a colony of penguins across the Antarctic? Oh yeah, yeah, he did do that, didn't he? Was, I think. What's, his, all, what's um, his name again? Forrest yeah. Gump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the Forrest Gump sequel? Uh, Maybe we should actually give this a chance. I assume so. He he could be a really important. You know, we're sitting here going, "Why the hell have they made a film about that guy? We don't know what he's done. No, he could be." Did he not? He could have been... Was he not the one behind the recent legalisation of marijuana in Ecuador as well? Given we can't even remember his name, I assume that he invented the power of invisibility. He did do that. He must have done that. He did do that. Yeah, it's going to be massive. I guess it's about three and a half hours long just to get everything (laughs) he's done in. Yeah, he invented time travel as well. So he went back and actually did all this stuff in the time we've been talking about it. <laughs> so that's the state of cinema right now, is it then? Yeah, seriously, if we've got to the point where the first series of the winner of the first series of Britain's Got Talent, who no one remembers the name of anyway, despite all of that amazing stuff that he did, can have his own major Hollywood blockbuster made about him, where does it end? What sort of movies are going to be seeing five or ten or fifteen years from now? It was just a wall in a house. You're mad, Gloria. It's never gonna work. You'll see, James. You'll see. But it drove them to obsession. 
You'll never see my vision for this wall, James. The colors are mixing together. You're mad, Gloria. Why won't it dry? Why? The paint will run in rivers. I'm going to use a hairdryer on it till it dries. What are you doing, Gloria? Every night I dream of paint. I see it dry in my mind, but then when I'm awake, nothing. It's still sopping wet. How far will you go to get a prison wall color? It's not the right color! Paint it again! 90 minutes of your life you will never get back. Dry, you damn paint! Paint drying the movie, May 2030. All right then, no reality check this week. Uh, the House have proved so damned inconclusive we've sent them off to the Welsh Assembly to have a good think about what they've done. Um, but as this is the end of our first series, oh, oh, uh, we want to <laughs> we want to have a think about what we've learned over the last few weeks, uh, and we're going to kick off with what have we learned about advertising. Well, we've learned that sex is the best way of selling something, and we've also learned that distraction is the second best way of selling something. The smaller a piece of technology is, the more expensive. S- sorry, I mean the more exciting it is. I've found children just aren't growing up fast enough. So long as the advert sells something, no matter nothing else matters, especially facts and accuracy. Especially facts and accuracy, no. And also we've learned that Dave Chawner has a very long career in female voiceovers ahead of him, if he wants it. Uh, what about from stuff we've read? What have we learned? We have learned the major truth. The left-wing press has absolutely no balls. No balls whatsoever. However, the Daily Mail's balls are absolutely massive. We've also learnt that people that look like Lego figures are world news. And that what kind of a dog a world leader looks like is more important than his political opinions. Magazines aimed at women are patronising and focus on what they think is the lowest common denominator, which they think is celebrities. Magazines aimed at men are patronising and focus on what they think is the lowest common denominator, which they think is celebrities' tits. Most of your friends eat food on a daily basis, according to every social media site in the world ever. And, uh, yeah, from films as well. I think this week especially, we've learnt that sticking the word jackass on the start of something will earn you at least half a billion dollars. Even if you don't have an idea to go with it. Mm -hmm. Put Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone in a movie punching people, and it will definitely earn you at least half a billion dollars. Shakespeare is still the greatest playwright the world has ever seen, so why bother writing something of your own? R.I.P.D. proves that coming up with the title before the plot doesn't make you money. And we've learned that Metallica will do anything for money. Um, in terms of TV, we've learned that Bruce Forsyth is still alive. Hey. And, and it takes four male dancers to lift up Vanessa Feltz. According to maths, Coronation Street is at least 500 times better than Twin Peaks, maths fans. According to finance, Coronation Street is definitely 500 times more lucrative than Twin Peaks. The one show will talk about anything, so long as it's ready for 7pm. Programs based on real events will interest the audience, even if the events are A, completely uninteresting, as with Masters of Sex, or B, completely fictional, as with Homeland. And all women can easily be represented by handbags, flowers, shoes, mobile phones, clouds, and pound signs. 
according to Loose Women. So that's it from the first series of What the Fuck Just Happened. We will be back with a new series focusing on homogenised capitalist spending orgy that is Christmas. And like all things Christmassy, in the true traditional sense, we'll be starting that at the end of November, obviously. Because that's when Christmas is. That's when Christmas starts, isn't it? Yeah. I nearly bought some mince pies in Tesco's yesterday and then I thought, oh shit, no, it's the middle of October. (laughs) Um, So until then, please don't take what you read, hear or watch seriously. Just keep asking yourself... What the fuck just happened? Zone1radio.com